2: Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen and there are three of us in this podcast this week to mangle an old royal quote that was a much, un, much more unhappy thing in fairness but I'm your host Anne Gripper. I am delighted to be joined by Daily Mirror Royal Editor Russell Myers. Hello. And Mirror Online Fashionista Sarah Bradbury. Hi. Welcome back full show debut. We've had you come by and do little bits and pieces of fashion before but you are unleashed this week so it's um, really exciting. I'm very excited so welcome and there's a lot to catch up on because it is two weeks since Russell and I caught up on all things royal because we had a, a fabulous chat with Robert Lacey last week about his new book Battle of the Brothers thank you to everybody who's been sending messages about that one and glad you so many of you enjoyed it and found it a different perspective so we will continue to try and bring some of those and we've got some more exciting things to come in the weeks ahead so watch this space but this is going to be looking back over what the royals have been up to and there has been plenty of it the queen the sussexes the cambridges and some other folk as well so let's sound start. like a game
1: show host
2: <laughs> well you know you've got to you've got to plan your future career russell every day's an audition it's you fine. can borrow
1: a jacket off uh, dan dan was doing quizzes during lockdown and he was, he was i think he had a snazzy jacket on we, we, we need more fashion tips from. From, uh, from Dan with these snazzy jackets
2: it's a very maybe fine
1: quiz bow tie quiz as well maybe
2: well yeah Russell you're letting the side down <laughs> <you>? <laughs>
1: I'm sorry again
2: it, again it's fine but um, last week we saw the Queen return to duty yes
1: Everybody's we did done. yes uh, out in Salisbury with William double engage, joint engagement now this is a quiz question um, when do you think the last time the Queen and William did an engagement together?
2: Oh, good question.
1: I mean, it's all the way back in 2017, apparently. And I, I was absolutely dumbfounded by that. I couldn't believe that they haven't done anything out and about beforehand. Um, So I was quite surprised at that. I think some people were quite surprised to see the Queen out and about, but we had been told that she was, you know, returning to duty, still going to try and do some meetings in Buckingham Palace, even though she's uh, pitched up in Windsor for the foreseeable future. I can't imagine she will even think about returning to Buckingham Palace full-time before the spring, really, if the government are saying this uh, coronavirus is going to last another sort of six months or so. But they were visiting, uh, you know, a centre, Which is really influential to do with um, the Novichok inquiry, which was you know, everyone should sort of know what was happening in 2018, wasn't it? All the way
2: back then, might have been longer. I mean, time time is a very weird and fluid thing. But Porton Down is the famous sort of government scientific research centre that tries to get to the bottom of new weird stuff. Yes, the big
1: spook centre. So they were visiting that to learn about sort of Novichok, but also. It comes hand in hand they're doing a lot of stuff about coronavirus and sort of how we are responding as a country in terms of uh, viruses and chemical warfare and and the like um now is it quite the well, the most interesting thing about this visit was people sort of wading in on twitter or people like piers morgan or royal commentators wading in saying that the queen should have worn a mask now i disagree because um you know for my two pennies worth it was Outside, the all the people that she was meeting, which was 48 people, had all been screened and coronavirus tested in those, you know, in the 24, 48 hours beforehand. Uh, yeah, as I said, it was outside. There was no government guidelines to say that one must wear a mask if meeting people outside. So I didn't really see what all the fuss was about, really. I get that you know, maybe she could have worn a mask because all the other royals have been seen in them. And maybe it would just send a point, you know, pointed message to say, we all got to take this seriously, even the Queen's wearing a mask. But probably, I think on a global scale, it might have done more, you know, more harm than good that we all would be talking about it a bit too much. Um, I don't know, what do you think?
2: I think it's, Interesting. Was it definitely all inside? I thought I saw a picture where they're in like a hangary type Well, they place. were, they were in
1: sort of a hangary type garage, but this garage was huge and it was you know the whole side of it was up. So I think, you know, is um, and another bit was it was in a marquee, but all the sides were or you know three of the four sides of the marquee were up. So I mean, I still think it was classed outside. Listen, nobody's going to take any um, undue risks with the queen. She's 94 of, of, as well, who knows if she has, you know, medical dispensation? We don't know her medical history. Don't know the reasons as to why she would or wouldn't wear a mask. Um, the royals are certainly are, are not adverse to wearing them, are they? They've, we've seen you know, Kate and William yesterday in masks. Uh, Charles and Camilla have been wearing them. All the other royals have been wearing them. So, um, I, so you know, I have a theory. Go.
2: I think that this was the first engagement. This was her first time out and about. She was going to a scientific place where they could like, realistically check everybody that she was going to meet. So it was practical. But it goes back to that thing of you have to be seen, you have to be seen, you have to be seen to be believed. And the picture of the Queen out and about, kind of with her face, with her smile, is much more present and kind of gives a, a very different message. And I, I totally get people saying, you know, she should have worn a mask. That's a really important message to give. I do. T- I fully understand that. And I think that the next event we would see her at, I suspect that we will see her in a mask, but I don't, for me, it wouldn't be a reaction to people saying she should have worn a mask this time. It's because she has been seen, like she's, she's presented herself to the country and like it was quite cheery seeing her. She was all jolly I like she went your th- out of the car. Can yeah. we get out for another car in that little video?
1: Yeah, I like your theory. I think that's not that's not a bad shout actually. It's sort of the same reason as to why they have sort of see through umbrellas because people need to be able to see them. And if this was, you know, the Queen's, we were all sort of asking, is this the Queen's first engagement? Is it the first engagement outside of a royal residence? It all becomes a bit wordy. But however, I know obviously she did the mini trooping at Windsor uh, and knighting Sir Tom. But this is the first full public event that we were all writing about and talking about. And, and, and I think I think it was a very good theory, because if we if we haven't seen the Queen and it was quite a jolly event. I mean, she even threw in a joke about signing the visitors book as, you know, proves that we've been here, uh, doesn't it? I mean, so it was kind of lighthearted by talking about serious um, subject and. You know, maybe there maybe there would be other opportunities to see her out and about wearing wearing a mask inside if she does you know something at a hospital or a, a research and development uh, centre like, like William has to, done recently. So, what's his it's- space?
2: She's still got it though. She managed to open the little curtains for the plaque and the thing was buffed within an inch of its life. You (laughs) could see the reflections of the people clapping. It looked practically like there was a miniature Zoom call going on in the background of the plaque. Um, Sarah, what did you make, make of it seeing the Queen out and about? She looks lovely and jolly in pink.
0: Yeah, and I agree. Like she's the queen. Like not to give like a slightly millennial point of view, but if she doesn't want to wear a mask and she doesn't think she has to, then why would she? Like you can't force her. Her face is on money, for Christ's sake. Precisely.
2: Precisely. <laughs> she is. She's her
0: own woman. She's ninety-four. She's like, oh no, Philip, I'm not going to wear a mask. Like she will do what she wants to do. So she obviously felt in her own kind of proximity that she felt safe not to do so. So there you go. But um, no, I loved her outfit. I think she looked absolutely amazing wearing. Um, a hat by rachel trevor morgan and the brooch that she had um was like a yellow gold diamond and carved ruby brooch which was actually a gift from her uh, husband prince philip back in 1966 which was actually quite sweet that almost like a part of him was with her because obviously he probably can't leave the house for um health issues anyway um, had like beautiful pearl earrings in pink lipstick and of course her trusty lorna london handbag um, but the coat, uh, the Stuart Parvin rose kind of cashmere coat was stunning, I think, just really brings her alive. And I just love the Queen in pink. I just think she looks so beautiful and it just makes a very like, youthful appearance. So it, either way, mask, no mask. It was
2: great to have her back and yeah. we shall look forward to seeing what happens next. But yeah, I thought it was really interesting that she did do the job with Prince William as well as kind of a, a statement and all about you know, the future and all of this kind of thing as well. And togetherness of the family as well. Yeah. Hold on, everybody. The door keeps knocking. I'm just going to go check it. <laughs> Dan, please mark this point.
1: <laughs> if she thinks I'm taking this out in the edit, she's sorely mistaken. <laughs> <Leave it in.
2: laughs> so we've had another picture as well that has made something of a statement, I think. Uh, so we've seen a lot of Harry and Meghan recently on video calls, but we haven't seen so many sort of formal pictures of them um over the last sort of few weeks and months and there was an absolute belter that was released for the time 100 series of um of interviews that they're doing black and white Harry's looking at the straight down the camera Megan's kind of laughing and looking off to the side and I don't know what it was about it whether it's because it was black and white or whether it's because the kind of sensibility you got from Harry but it just really reminded me of some of those famous Princess Diana portraits, I think the Testino ones, there was just something about it that made me, it just made me think of that like an echo but I just, I thought it was a really interesting picture Yes it was,
1: I mean yeah, it was it makes a difference seeing them on a Zoom call in their living room. I suppose I was just talking to someone today about picking apart all the d- different backgrounds that they've been using, all the things, all the books about women and the ornaments, and so uh, it was a, it was a welcome release from seeing them uh, and in their house. Um, Cartier watch that uh, Megan was wearing. Lots of people poring over this about whether it was or it wasn't a uh, one of a Princess Diana's heirlooms. Um, I still don't know whether that's been cleared up. Actually, um,
2: the chances of it being definitively cleared up are probably unlikely.
1: Well, because it's black and white as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it, it kind of reminded me of the the engagement photo as well because of the way that they were sitting. Uh, but they they look fairly happy. I mean, you know, Harry Harry looks pretty relaxed at the moment. He's got a bit of a tan going on. He looks uh, the, the, and and any time you've seen them recently, they're talking about how they're enjoying being uh, being home as a family, which I think is. Which is pretty nice, to be honest. They've been spending a lot of time with Archie. Um, no doubt, if you know the virus hadn't been a thing, they would have been travelling the world, you know, every other week. And I think that that's something that they've been saying recently, especially in the Time 100 thing they did this week. Um, they were saying that you know, it's it's allowed them to spend time as a family, and I think that um, you know, hopefully that's that will be a good thing because, I mean, I've said before, I think they were trying to run before they could walk and after the the furore of Sussex Royal and picking up the pieces of what would happen with Archwell and so this time has given them time to sort of take the foot off the gas and to try and work out where they fit in the world even though Harry said that they've been very very busy with meetings so undoubtedly Archwell will launch in you know in the new year and um and that'll be very very exciting when it does because they're sort of joining all the dots of uh, of all the things that they're interested in.
2: But even in terms of them being busy with meetings, I think we are starting to see all of that coming out now. So even the, the Time 100 interviews that they've done and have been published, you can tell certainly in some of them that these are conversations that have been going on for some time. And then this is just a public version of them. But one of the things I'm finding quite interesting at the moment is Meghan and Harry are tending to be a double act or Meghan is doing things on her own. So she's got that kind of natural home of women and girls' education, and the the sort of mental health online social harms work that they're doing together. Harry hasn't really, I don't think yet, sort of picked up what his new what his new strand is. I think we might have mentioned this um, a couple of weeks ago, but you know, Megan's had a few speaking gigs on her own, or they're very much a double act. And I think it is going to be interesting to see how they balance doing stuff together. And doing stuff separately because i think you know this is clearly one of the weirdnesses of the royal family that you work not only with your family but with your spouse a lot of the time and getting the balance of doing things together because people like the the kind of the couple and the interaction and there have been some lovely moments seeing them when they're you know talking and <laughs> gazing sort of besottedly at each other or you know even the one um one of the time 100 things this morning and you know harry just going ladies first type thing and just how you interact um in public with your partner well, is well, quite a lot an interesting of people, thing
1: yeah that is interesting a lot of people were poring over the sort of body language of the time 100 chat that they did on space time continuum tuesday night uk afternoon tuesday afternoon us time um i mean I, w- I watched a bit of it i mean yeah it's it's interesting to a point because they they asked but I, I i agree with what they were saying really uh, in terms of this you know the global um, social media sphere of misinformation and they were calling it a global crisis of hate and and misinformation which is kind of what they were saying about the um that um when they were talking about the election and and saying that this is a very very important time and vote against misinformation which was you know l- leveled at vote trump out basically but i think that it is quite interesting when they're speaking about the power of social media and megan saying that you know ba- there are bad voices on social media and they are so loud and damaging well yeah that is true um, but I think it's kind of a tightrope, isn't it? Because they were they created this record-breaking account, Sussex Royal, that no doubt they wanted to monetize, and they are now they don't have that anymore. So by saying that they gave up their social media accounts willingly, I think that's a kind of bit of disingenuous because they were kind of forced to shut Sussex Royal down, and no doubt, well, one would presume they will set another one up with Archwell. So whilst on the one hand. They are, you know, putting a positive message out there and that should be applauded. Um, I think it'll be very, very interesting to see what they do with their own social media profiles, because, you know, we've spoken about the toxicity, easy for you to say, um, of it in the past and um, whether that will, you know, rear its ugly head again um, when they do enter the social media sphere, because they don't really have a platform at the moment.
2: And it is something that is often a dilemma for people in, in any walk of life, whether it's on social media or in an organisation or whatever it might be, do you kind of stay and try and change from the inside and be a force for, for good and for change and sort of the battles that that can sometimes bring? Or do you take yourself out of it and separate and try and change it from the outside, which is, for me, that's kind of the position they're in at the moment because they aren't, they aren't really in that digital space in the same way although they're engaging with different bits of the digital space in terms of we're seeing them in sort of you know video streams and podcasts and and that kind of thing so that is that is all quite interesting and I know we talked a little bit a couple of weeks ago about how they are doing a lot of the talking at the moment and so they're talking about their issues that matter to them. And I've been thinking about it some more as well, because obviously obviously, why else wouldn't be thinking about royal things, but they are, they're continuing to talk about the same themes. And I know to a certain extent the royal family do that as well, but it can be quite hard. You know, if William every event is talking about the environment, eventually you, you don't exactly run out of things to say, but people potentially become like the threshold of people's interest becomes higher you have to be newer or more exciting or have somebody super fabulous get involved or find ways to keep reinventing it and so well that's you, interesting is-
1: that's why you've got sorry that's what that's why you've got to try and reinvent yourself right that's why you've got um, william doing Earthshot, and you've actually got to be seen to making tangible difference you can't just sit there and start saying well you know this is really bad and this is really good well what are you actually going to do put your money where your mouth but is get people together and make a change
2: but that's what they're doing more with, or have a more of a platform to do in some ways with this time 100 series because they are talking to people with expertise and influence or that they are interviewing people with expertise and influence in this area so i think that's interesting but then I think it it's me needing to change my expectations of them because, yes, they're members of the royal family, but they are not royals anymore. And at the risk of using the P word, they kind of are like politicians now. They've got a particular policy agenda that they want to push. They've got particular issues that they care about. And if, you know, politicians will tell you, you have to keep repeating the same message again and again and again and again and again again to reach all of the people that you need to influence. That was one, you know, that was one of the things that Donald Trump was extremely successful with. He had one message, make America great again. Everybody understood it. It was clear. He repeated it. He repeated it. He repeated it. Everybody knew what it was and you know whether you agree with him or not as a piece of politics that's really effective and you don't reach everybody just by saying one thing once. You do have to keep saying it and access different age groups or different organisations or, you know, the time this time they've accessed the Time 100 group or teenager therapy, they're talking to young people. There are so many different layers to approach it at. So it's probably just us as people who are watching them <laughs> that are experiencing it differently and we, we are experiencing the repeatedness of, of this aspect because we are following them. Whereas actually what they're doing is going out into these different audiences and taking their message to people who they think will be interested in it. So I think it's, you know, there's a lot kind of going on, pro- lots of processing to go on. So th- this is just me. So goodness knows what it's like for Megan and Harry they they as they're, as they're um, changing it all. And they've been doing some really interesting things. So like the Malala, um, the Malala video for international day of the girl. And, you know, the, look that Harry shot at Meghan when Malala was kind of complimenting her on her work. Like this kind of, you could see like how proud he is to be sitting alongside this woman. So, you know, I think it is, I think it will be interesting to see how they do evolve and how they do keep kind of reinventing themselves or finding different ways to approach the same problem or the same thing that they want to improve because, you know, the internet, is here to stay and well let's hope it, let's hope it is because otherwise in corona we'll all be cut off from each other. Yeah and no, I think you've um, how that evolves. You're,
1: you're right in terms of you know, their power is joining people together and that's kind of what megan said in this it's, it's a, a time 100 interview of you know we are joining the dots in terms of not only their personal um interests but I think the pa- the, the power that they have is um is is by getting the people, the bi- people in big business, people who work for these big companies. I mean, Serena Williams' husband, his name is Alex. It's Alexis,
2: Alexis Ohanian.
1: Ohanian, yeah, Alexis have Ohanian. But well, well, he's, you know, he's a big, big time guy. He's like ran Reddit. He's, he didn't hear something, something to do with, you know, all all sorts of social media platforms. And you know what he's doing is hugely applaudable. He stood down from the board of his own company so he could have someone um, from a black and ethnic minority background on the board to give it more diversity. And I think that when they're speaking to people like him for his experiences, that's what people will start listening to. And if they start getting lots of different experts around them and surrounding themselves by these positive voices, that's how they will affect change because they're not going to do it on their own. Um, And I think Potentially, maybe they're realising that now that they are repeating the message, as you rightly say, and that they will—they um, will try and get you know some uh, some big players involved in in to, to, to join their courses.
2: So when we were chatting two weeks ago, I was very overexcited about Kate's hair. And I think part of the reason I get overexcited about Kate's hair is because my hair is kind of vaguely a little bit like Kate's hair. And maybe if I grew it a bit longer and colored it up a bit, it could look a little bit nearly like hers. So one day maybe I'll try it, but sometimes life is too short and I just have to cut it. But I have to have just as much excitement about Megan's hair, even though my hair is never going to look like hers because her, her hair has just looked absolutely full on incredible, in all of these zoom calls just like the gloss and the curls and it just sits there i mean you know they don't have the the old um headphone little microphone situations where dan tells us to put our hair up before we get on our zoom calls but you know she looks she's looked absolutely stunning from the hair point of view throughout and she's been wearing some really interesting outfits i haven't always liked them but she's definitely worn some interesting things
0: so sarah what what have you made of it all Um, yeah, I would like to know what supplements she's taking for her hair, because for me, I feel like it's grown like half a meter in about three months. It's just so long. I'm just very jealous, very jealous. Um, but no, going back to her time outfit, I just think, not like I'm a relationships expert, but I just think their body language, they just both look so happy and comfortable. Maybe like he's taking a step back for a change. Like when you introduce like a new boyfriend you very much have to hold his hand. But for once, he's maybe just saying that you have your time. You do this. I've done enough. Maybe this is your country. You do what you want and then I'll come in when I need to. But, you know, that's that. Um, as for Megan, I think she looked amazing. She was wearing an Alexander um, McQueen wool blazer, which I know Kate is a huge Alexander McQueen fan. Um, obviously, then we've touched on the Cartier watch, whether that is or isn't princess diana's but i am going to do a trump i'm just going to mention the cartier love bracelet in the hope that one day an eight thousand pound bracelet will appear on my wrist so <laughs> i would like a cartier love bracelet i would like a cartier love bracelet i would like I, I would like
1: one i would like one as well can we get some Dan, can we get out some out sponsorship there? for the show cartier bracelets you know i'm all about them easy so, easy
2: you
0: know. Come on, come on, class. Stay, behave. <laughs> just want one. Just want one really bad. So, you know, if everyone in the lottery, take bracelets for everyone.
2: Excellent. Super. Right.
0: Get that girl a ticket. Um, what have you made of some of her other looks? <laughs> um, right, let me just look at my notes. Um, mm, 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 sorry. This is bad. I've got so many things open. Dan, cut me out for this.
1: Talking about McQueen, um, I, I, I've got a fashion spot yesterday. I, uh, I saw Kate in a, in a red McQueen coat. Yes. You're, you're interested in my fashion verdicts. Did
2: you, did you <laughs> uh, recognise it? It was it?
1: red. No, I didn't. I had to be told. But it was red. It was ankle length and, uh, and it was very nice. So
2: It reminded so me a little of a bit of The Handmaid's Tale. Because she's got this sort of white mask on. What? No, it's just because it's that. The Handmaid's Tale has been so effective. Of when you see something like long and red and floor length and sort of winey coloured, like wine, like wine you drink, not wine like mm. complaining about stuff. <laughs> um, and and it was because she's got this sort of white mask on as well. It was like I don't know what they call them in the Handmaid's Tales. Handmaid's Tale, like the wimple thing, was on back to front on her, on her face like a mask. So I did like it. But it did make me think a bit. Handmaid's Tale, probably because it was full length, I think. But anyway, there we there will be time to come to Kate in the course <laughs> and her out and abouts as you provide some spoilers. But so I think Megan's had some interesting, different looks. There's been some quite sort of businessy looks, yes. and then there's been there's very been casual. Very casual. Usually we think she's not very made up. There's been a couple where she's had quite a lot of makeup on. Yeah, found and yeah. then. There's one look which I was just like, are you wearing this for a business situation? Like are you the talking spaghetti about straps? The fortune look. I am talking about the fortune look. I'm just like, I wouldn't wear that to work. Yeah. Though.
0: Well, I was doing some research and apparently if you wear a low cut dress when you're out and about on like an event or you're doing an appearance, you're supposed to, that's what clutches are for. You're supposed to cover your cleavage with the clutch when you get out of the car so the pap's can't take pictures. But obviously, Megan being in her own front room, you kind of think, the rules will waver but no the dress was from hopeful flowers by tracy reese and it's like this gorgeous sort of swirl print maxi dress but you know living in california they probably have much better weather than us and it's the appropriate place to probably wear a dress like that in comparison to england today where it's absolutely hammering it down um but i mean i know a lot of people say that you shouldn't really wear spaghetti straps in royal engagement but because it was at home and it was in like in front of the zoom camera and she's doing her own thing it it, for me it doesn't really seem like she's made a huge fashion faux pas because you know she's probably running around uh, like around after Archie and you know she just feels like it's not as much as those those stuffy occasions and events where she has to appear it's more like a relaxed but yeah I mean if it's I just yeah I think I would have It just struck me as being
2: not quite what it's not what I would have expected her to wear for an event like that but yeah. then when did she
0: do what people were expecting her to do exactly and like, she kind of kept her makeup and her hair very like casual again we've kind of seen that very like low pony the like the loose natural curl is in there so she's kind of keeping it the whole look together rather than being like super overdone and super stuffy compared to her malaria What's it how do you pronounce that Malala. Malala, thank you. Look where she was doing the head, the, the sort of monochrome look and she had a lot more makeup on in comparison.
2: Yeah, I thought that was interesting. It was almost like she'd got um, studio, like film studio makeup yeah. on for like a TV appearance rather than a a Zoom call.
0: Yeah, it was very, very much more made up. But I think that's just the power of a bold lip and a bold eye. They always say she do one or the other, but she kind of went, boom, I'm gonna do both. And she does pull it off because her hair is taken back off of her face. And she's obviously just wearing um, a black body from Tux kind of paired with like white trousers. So I feel like she's, the statement is her face and what she's saying rather than what she's wearing for a change. And she's doing a lot of monochrome at the moment. Yeah, just keeping it simple, keeping it real. Um, So we've had, we've had a little bit
2: of Kate's chat already But um, when Kate appeared for the Natural History Museum Wildlife Photographer of the Year, her sort of super glam blazer type style caused a bit of a stir. Obviously, she had amazing hair as well.
0: I mean, the hair, can't not talk about the hair. But yes, no, again, wore Alexander McQueen, her favourite, obviously designed her wedding dress too. Um, And she just paired it with a plain black top, black heels and black jeans. So she kind of kept her look all one thing. But the statement for me was definitely in those power shoulders in the blazer because they were iconic. Um, As for her hair, it's her signature Kate Blowy. Um, In the fact that she's got this honey highlights, really glossy finish, really glossy ends and just makes everyone run to the salon wearing their mask, shouting, please make my hair look this good. Um, Tell me, are power shoulders back? Is this a thing? Do we need to get ourselves some? I never think they really went away. I think if you're going on a night out-out with until 10pm with your six six <laughs> friends right now... Who you let, live with. you who, can't go, yeah. who you live with unless you're prepared to sit outside and you can't be seen going inside together at any time. I would say the shoulder so, for me never went away. I think Zara have always had a power shoulder. Topshop like to bring out a power shoulder. ASOS have a power shoulder. Like It's all about just having... If you're going to have a focal point, make it the jacket, make it the statement, and... Yeah, power to the shoulder.
2: And I guess that particularly comes through on a yeah. kind of a video
0: call setup where you don't actually see the full length. You need something to balance the hair, I tell you that. Just the shoulders make <laughs> it. The shoulders make it for her. How's your power shoulder, Russell?
1: Oh, you know me. Never adverse to a power shoulder.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so what else have William and Kate been up to over the last little time?
1: Um, so I was in Waterloo yesterday under a bridge, all the glamour jobs as usual, you know me.
2: You're making uh, me sing ABBA. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Please don't. Um, no, don't worry. We were, it was the launch of the um, community exhibitions. Of Kate's Hold Still project, which I am a huge fan of, the Coronavirus uh, Photography Project in conjunction with the National Portrait Gallery, of course, which she is patron of, and Kate was accompanied by William to visit um, under an archway in Water in the shadow of Waterloo Station. They've put up uh, half a dozen billboards and a broadcast billboard and some massive big posters of uh, of the sort of final of the hundred finalists, and one of the. One's under the bridge is all the hundred photos. And then there's some individual um, images as well. I don't know if you've seen the big mural in Manchester, the big hundred foot high mural, which is incredible of the Dr. Melanie uh, in Manchester with her mask on and her PPE. Um, And there is 112 locations across 80 cities and towns in the UK. And it's, uh, and it's gone live now. So Go to the National Portrait Gallery to check it out. If there is a site near you, then check them out because um, I just think this project is fantastic. She met some of the winners. Um, she met a, a lovely chap who I spoke to, a chap called Saeed Ahmed yesterday, um, from, uh, who's actually from Brazil. He was here doing a six-month um, uh, placement for his PhD in Birmingham and then ended up stuck here with the coronavirus crisis. So then, you know, what amazing guy, started helping out at a food bank in, uh, in Hackney after moving to London, midway through the crisis and, um, and he and his photograph at the food bank in his PPE featured as one of the, um, one of the images that Kate chose with the judging panel and she even called him and, uh, and then they went to visit uh, some of the staff at St Bartholomew's St. Bart's Hospital in London and talking to them about um about the you know the context behind the 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 um the competition and how you know as one of the shops of well, the, the nurses are uh, hospital staff in ppe writing it on writing in each other i think the word, this, the photograph is titled all in this together and and that's exactly sort of um the embodiment that Kate wanted of this photography project to show what we've all been going through individually and collectively. And, uh, and I think it is a real state of the nation project and, um, and it's, uh, and it's come off wonderfully, absolutely wonderfully.
2: And if you didn't catch our first episode of this new season, then I talked about the Hold Still project with our good friend Ian Vogler, a Daily Mirror photographer, as well as various other things about what Kate has been up to and what it's like to work with her, which um, was a fab interview that Zoe Forsey did with East Anglia Children's Hospices. Um, so yeah, I think this Hold Still thing is fantastic. And actually, it's probably come at a really good time because... the the sort of outside incarnation of it being around the country because over the last week there's been new restrictions that have come in like london is now you're not allowed to socialize with other people essentially um indoors you're allowed to meet up outdoors up to six of you but it's you know it's very much kind of gone back into retreat so being able to go see something a bit interesting, like a hundred foot, a hundred foot mural in Manchester who are under like some of the most severe restrictions. If people are out for their bit of exercise and can go see that, and not congregate too heavily and socially distance if lots of people are joined up to, to see it, but to just, you know, have something that's a little bit different or just to spot something that livens up your day is a nice thing, really.
1: Yeah. On that point, I mean, you know, obviously we are under different loads of different restrictions at the moment. And um, one of the things that I liked from the jobs this week was, um, William calling two big uh, entrepreneurs in the, in Liverpool, which is obviously under very very strict restrictions at the moment. Um, you know, one of the entertainment capitals of the world. I, I mean, I lived there for, uh, for for many years, many years ago, and and it's just such a wonderful, wonderful city that is obviously hurting under the under the current restrictions of all sort of pubs, bars, nightclubs shut. Um, and William saying, you know, there is going to be a mental health catastrophe if we don't come out of this fairly soon, because with all the restrictions and all the different way we're, we're being forced to, to live our life, if, if people can't get out and express themselves and, and have fun with their, with their friends and loved ones, then it's going to be a massive, massive issue. And um, I think this was p- particularly um, prevalent at the moment because on the one hand, it's quite a political statement to say that, that this, you know, more needs to be done on a local level, um, whilst also sort of, under the guise of mental health and mental health awareness, um, and I think that that's uh, quite quite a clever play on 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 William's behalf because he's obviously caring and obviously quite tapped into that arena. Um, and and the conversations that he was having with like DJ Youssef, who runs a you know range of nightclubs and night nights in Liverpool, such as Circus. Um, I think that that needed to be heard, and and it certainly under the whole you know big noise of this week about how much money certain cities are getting and whether they're actually going to be looked after i think this is um it it, it was a, was a welcome change from from the noise that we're hearing uh, um of the of the politics side of it
2: and william has been sort of taking a bit of time with people as well to just try and sort of have proper conversations as well it seems and you know kind of be human with them i guess
1: yeah, on that. I mean, on that point, I spoke to one of the um, the people we spoke to, and they said that it was you know it going to be scheduled in for twenty thirty minutes, and he spent nearly an hour on the phone with them. And I think that it's that that's he's he's making this effort, and it wasn't publicised ahead of um, ahead of him doing it, and and K P didn't really necessarily want to make a big song and dance about it. But you know, the, the conversations I was having with them is like, listen, if he if he's saying this, and if he's reaching reaching out personally after he saw this lady on the news, and she was in tears about she'd had to lay loads of people off. She has, you know, seven or eight venues in the city, 200 odd staff. She's looking at making, you know, up to a hundred of them redundant. And, um, and he got in touch with her after seeing her, her on channel four news. And, and that shows you the sort of sphere that they're working in. They're very, very tapped in at the moment of, of the legacy that coronavirus will leave behind and whether that's on people's mental health or, you know, listen, we're going to be in for some tough times, aren't we? People losing their jobs and how it's going to affect people. Um, and I think they are even recognising that now, that this is potentially, even if we come out of this next summer and we're all back to some sort of normality, this is going to have a lasting legacy for the next two, three, four, five 10 years potentially on people's mental health and mental well-being so they're getting ahead of the curve and really sort of tapping into that arena at the moment and I think that that's um that that will be uh that will be a lot we will we'll see a lot more than speaking about it that's for sure.
2: And he's been at the Royal Marsden Cancer Hospital today and also was it yesterday so Tuesday took on two new patronages from um Prince Philip which are very much in that kind of environmental sphere that that he has, is making his own or kind of...
1: Big time, big time. Well, listen, this is off the back of the um, you know, the ITV documentary. And if you haven't seen it, our, sort of our cousins in America were asking when they could see it. And I still don't have an answer for it. I mean, NBC are um, a partner of, of ITV. So hopefully they will be screening it. But on the back of the, that, the big success with that, and it got great reviews, um, obviously the Earthshot Prize, this sort of 50 million, very, very ambitious project to try and set and you know, a, level, a, a number of earth shots trying to solve the world's environmental problems. Um, you know, he's tapping into that that kind of arena, and that is um, taking over two new roles, uh, Fauna and Flora International, which I hadn't heard of actually, but it's the oldest environmentalist uh, organization in the world uh, that the Queen has held the patronage for seven decades, can you believe? Um, And the other one is the British Trust for Ornithology, which um, Prince Philip has had for 30-odd years. So him him taking these off of the Queen and Duke of Edinburgh is quite a big deal because he's putting it out there that he's, you know, these environmentalist credentials that he's obviously been interested in. This is going to be one of his big life's work, like the Duke of Edinburgh award, like the Prince's trust. This earth shot is here to stay and it's over the next decade. And, um, and then, you know, and then who knows what, what, what can be achieved. And he's actually made some real big tangible changes from it. Then I think it will be a huge, huge success. Um, And then, you know, on the other, on the other thing today, Royal Marsden Hospital, He is president of the hospital and was revisiting the hospital in London, which is um, opening a new cancer care centre 30 years, pretty much, um, 30 years since Princess Diana was there and did similar sort of uh, engagement, laying the foundation stones for another wing of the hospital. So carrying on his mother's legacy, which is obviously very, very important to him.
2: So let's have a quick, quick run around of some other bits that have been going on. I've got a few
0: highlights that I've spotted that I've liked, but if either of you two who've got other bits that you want to to share as well. So for me, it's got, oh, so I, was gonna, I was just going to say, for me, it's got to be uh, Kate and Will's wearing matching suits yesterday, both in blue. I love that.
1: <laughs> oh, on that point. So, I you know, a bit, bit of an exclusive detail, although I'm going to be pretty useless in the same breath because we've got to keep uh, keep stum about it. The reason they were there at the hospital after the engagement was they were meeting uh, Kate Garraway, who's a um, popular presenter on Good Morning Britain in the UK. And it's actually for the Pride of Britain Awards, and I'm sure most of our listeners will know about it. It's Daily Mirrors and ITV's flagship programme, hugely successful over the last sort of, 20 years now. And uh, it's obviously going to be, broadcast with a very very different vibe this year because there's no live show where all the sort of weeping celebrities and the fantastic two or three hour show that we have every year Um, but there are some exciting things coming up in the pipeline and William and Kate were so lovely to give their time to be involved and to give a an award to some very very special people and that's all I can say at this point. (laughs) Russell, you So teased. I am teasing you, but I will probably have more information maybe next week. And then the, the actual show is Sunday week. And I don't know the date of that, but you'll just have to stay tuned. But it's I going to be very, like, very exciting.
2: I think that'll be November the 8th, possibly. Very
1: good. Very good. So, yeah, watch this space. It's going to be absolutely amazing. I have some moles who were there yesterday. And, and, uh, and I'm really, really excited to actually tell you all the details about it.
2: Well, that was great, great, uh great tip, Sarah. And, like the whole blue suits, and then we've got top secret information from the teas here that is Russell Myers. Um so yeah,
0: the match, matchy matchy is always a great, uh, a great special occasion. Very much so. It's almost like, you know, a modern day take on when Britney and Justin Timberlake both wore head to denim, you know, the uh <laughs> Canadian tuxedo. The um the Cambridges are doing it for themselves, you know, both <laughs> pair of blue suits. I just loved it. I just loved it. But apparently Kate wore the blazer back in two thousand eleven, so the discount Duchess is back again recycling old clothes, which I love. That's oh, what she- I love about her. Good
2: opportunity to rummage through the cupboards while we're all stuck at home with the with yeah. the with the COVID situation. But other things that I spotted: so Princess Anne was out on a woodland trust job, and she had a lovely like oak leaf brooch, which I thought was gorgeous. Um, Camilla hanging out with the horses in Brixton, which is since- I was there. You were there? What? I live in I Brixton. Was, How did I miss this?
1: I was there. We were at the Ebony Horse Club in <gasps> Brixton. It was quite a good fun, actually, because, you know what, I don't do many Camilla jobs because you have to sort of judge it on its merits, and some others people like to do more Camilla jobs than, uh, than I get time to do, unfortunately. But she's always fantastic, she's always great, great fun, and... Um, Even though it was ghastly weather, it was absolutely tipping down. She was giving her all and making sure that, you know, the photographers were really happy. She was really happy to be there. Even uh, sort of brushing off concerns that the horses were going to jump over the fence at the sight of an umbrella. It didn't deter her. She went into the paddock with the horses, which caused much hilarity. And then she went to a boxing club as well, which was, um, I mean, it's just, you know, to see Camilla doing these these sort of things and talking, uh, you know, to people who are in completely different worlds to her, but then, you know, little kids living on a high rise estates talking about their boxing classes. She's just very, very warm and personable and it was a joy to um to, to sort of highlight those two two engagements.
2: So Brixton, for long-time listeners, maybe uh, you may remember it as pretty much the first engagement that Harry and Meghan did after they got engaged. So if you delve right back through our archives, it was probably about our first or second episode back when Victoria Murphy was on the show, and she did a bit of vox popping down in Brixton, I think, as I recall, to um, to share from that, because, you know, it's, it's central London, it is the home of the Windrush generation. generation South Sides represent,
1: race. by the way. Yep. South London represent. I
2: used to live just just north of Brixton. I was don't, in uh, Yeah. I, I
0: don't want to give my postcode away, but I uh, am <laughs> a mere stone throw from the Ebony Horse Club and where Harry and Megan once were. Which is quite because <laughs> I heard nothing whilst working from home yesterday about her being anywhere near. But if I'd known, I would have run out the street and gone to see her.
2: You're practically royal, Sarah. I know. Any any job with a horse is always a good one <laughs> as well. The horses are gorgeous. So that's always good. Um and then what else have we had? We've had Princess Beatrice appearing on Twitter to say thanks for the nice messages about getting married and please go see my dress in Windsor Castle, or not please go see it, but it is available for you to go see and I loved wearing it. Yeah,
1: she's not flogging <laughs> tickets. <laughs>
2: But I you know like i was I was lucky enough to go with Amber back in the day to see uh, to see Megan's dress, and it was a fabulous occasion, but it's you know that was a very different time and it was a sunny day and all kinds of excitement, and no masks were required to go wear it so I think there's there's to a certain extent an extra layer of dedication to go do stuff at the moment or you're relying on people who live in quite a a small catchment area and then also it was happy anniversary to Eugenie and Jack celebrating. Two two years, two years already, two which years. is crazy, crazy, yeah. and a lovely collection of um of selfies where they get they clearly go in and it's like me and my husband go in for the massive grin in the selfies because that is the only way to be, and um you know some happy pictures and some unseen wedding pictures and then Zach Posen who designed her evening wedding dress shared an incredible picture on his Instagram which I just thought looked. Amazing, like really, really, really beautiful, but also reminded us that actually, usually went the other way for the evening. It wasn't a more practical dress for dancing in, it was equally impractical, just a different kind of impractical and a different kind of beautiful. But it was an absolute stunner. You
0: can just see it now George, Charlotte, Louis, all hiding underneath, running around. She's like, Get out of my dress! It's (laughs) massive, it's absolutely huge, but I am obsessed. But also, what I've noticed is that her. Her wedding dress was very, very backless, very proud of her scar. Whereas this one's very much more kind of covered up. You've got like a cross on the sleeve, long sleeve again, but it's still cinched in her amazing waist. And yeah, slightly off-white in a cream, but I'm, yeah, I'm obsessed. Okay, yeah, like like a blush pink.
2: Awesome. Um, Have you been anywhere else, Russell, other than hanging out with the horses and Camilla?
1: What have I been doing? No, just the glamorous, just the glamorous jobs in South London and hanging out, hang out under archways. Um, if you haven't seen Prince William poking his head into KFC, this is one of my joys <laughs> of the week, actually. He was, he was just about to leave the engagement after seeing all the, the fantastic Hold Still broadcast pictures. They're on the website. And then he he, po- he walked past the KFC, and, his, uh, and then KFC actually tweeted about it. And it's the best part, best bit of PR I think I've seen in a while. So if you haven't seen it, check it out. Oh, because yeah. obviously we we know he's a Nando's fan, cheeky Nando's man. So uh, not Prince Harry.
2: I thought Prince Harry was a Nando's. Now William's it? always speaking about them.
1: how he's sending out the um the the uh prote- police protection officers to go and get in Nando's. I mean I don't know whether I believe <laughs> half, half of it to be honest, but he was uh he's poking his nose in and gave the sort of little boy outside a very um. Made his day, taking a picture of him outside. Where else have it been? But hang on, um, hang on.
2: We ha- we have to give full credit to whoever was running the KFC social media feeds. Very for good their, for their line, which I I'm not going to sing again because, but it is that Lion King line of I just can't wait to be wing wing. Very good. Oh, very see very what good. they did there. I bet they were very uh, so pleased with themselves. I like your
1: your his royal fineness as well. Oh, very good. Excellent. Very good. Excellent. Uh, uh no, haven't been up to, to much, obviously. I've been beavering away with uh Pride of Britain stuff. Um yes. so watch this space. A bit more of tease, maybe next week. And then um just before we go, oh, yeah. I'm really I'm really interested in I mean look at space time continuum. So this will be to. Last night, <laughs> last night there was a documentary <laughs> and um, this is the Channel 4 documentary and uh, you will be able to watch it on Catch Up. Our American and worldwide cousins will try and have to find it online. But it is uh, Diana, the truth behind that interview or the interview. And obviously everybody knows what I'm talking about. It is the 25th anniversary of the incredible bombshell panorama interview that she did. 22 million people watched it at the time, I'm sure hundreds of millions of people have seen it since, where she spoke about, you know, the adultery, eating disorders, her depression. Um, and this this new documentary sort of goes behind the uh, the story of how it came to be. And it's very, very interesting that sort of Martin Bashir was accused of subterfuge, really, and some allegations leveled at him recently that he hasn't answered yet about how they actually got the interview and whether he'd sort of cozied up to Charles Spencer allegations that they used sort of fake bank statements to convince uh, Diana that she was being um, spied on or listened in. And uh, obviously she, she was paranoid about that as well. But one of the main interesting points is, is from um, the legendary editor of the Daily Telegraph, Sir Max Hastings. And he reveals that Princess Diana had contacted him, um, prior to the Panorama interview, and and, and basically t- wanted to give him, you know, the, the scoop of his life, and the re- and the reason he. To, sort of shied away from it is because he, he felt that she was so vulnerable at the time he felt he had a duty of care towards her and and, and said that she was in such a bad place mentally that he, he didn't feel it was right to 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 go ahead and do that interview and obviously then the rest is history so I think I'm actually really looking forward to seeing this the, the full interview and I'm sure um, whatever your opinion and I know some you know I spoke about it on Twitter yesterday and some people were saying listen I'm sick of hearing this it's 25 years on let sleeping dogs lie um, it's it's a still a massive talking point, and it has shaped the future of the monarchy, or the past and the future. Mm-hmm. It is continuing to do so. So, um, so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it, and maybe we'll pour over it next week and and see what um see what people made of it.
2: I have to ask a slightly rude question now. so were you born when this
0: Princess Diana interview aired? I, I was actually born in 1990, so I'm going to go with yes. 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 Okay. Yeah. All right. This is a relief, but. <laughs> <laughs> <gasps> I turn thirty in lockdown. Apparently, I'm going to turn thirty-one the same way. So I get two lockdown birthdays this year. Oh,
2: I get a big lockdown birthday imminently as well. I am forty. Ah, <gasps> no way. I am. I am. It's true. It's lockdown birthday. So yeah. We'll have to. When? Have a when is your birthday? Not yet, not yet. Oh, I'm right, not 40 okay. yet, Russell. Not quite. I've got a whole like I was about to
1: say, Jesus. Okay, so I've, I've it. got so I've a few more... the big do. No,
2: no, a few more, a few more days, a few more days. We'll have some virtual cake or something because we'll have to. Because that is the only way we can do it at the moment. But hey, things could be worse because we're all here. We've had um, a nice chat for an hour just about about all of the things Royal. Oh, Russell, the quick oh, courtroom yes. update. What is going on in the courts? Oh, yes. Very interesting. To-
1: okay. Uh, as a footnote. So this is very, very interesting, actually. And this is sort of a, a movable feast at the moment because Ghislaine Maxwell is still um, languishing in a New York jail. And she has, uh, they have been, her lawyers are obviously arguing the case that they obviously don't want any of this. To, to go public because this is going to be absolutely explosive. So they have um, they've made a 418 page deposition in which Galen Maxwell basically is inter- has been interrogated about her sex life. There are going to be a lot of rich, famous, and influential people named in these court documents. One would presume, and um, the her attorney is basically saying that the release of this document that is central to to, to the. To the prosecution six charges and we know the charges are very very serious for procuring minors for Jeffrey Epstein for his you know his um, catalogue of abuse over, over many years and he's basically saying that the uh, that any release of these documents could really prejudice the jury so they're saying that, that it attempts to compel Galen to answer these intrusive questions on her sex life and then um you know a lot of people are going to be probably quaking in their boots if Ghislaine Maxwell starts turning um, evidence over and who knows whether she'll be offered a deal, it's all to play for, it's going to be very very interesting so and obviously how could this impact Prince Andrew? He's, he obviously still hasn't spoken to the FBI um, you know the last we heard of it was that uh, the you know the prosecutors in, in the states have been still saying that they wanted to talk to him, standing on the steps of jeffrey epstein's mansion making press conferences when they say they um they need to speak to him and he had said that he's made three attempts to speak to them and still no appointment has been made however the ink still isn't on his diary for the appointment um with the fbi the of the prosecutors so who knows what is going to happen your guess is as good as mine but we will watch this with uh with huge huge interest
2: well, I managed to just about get you into a podcast studios most week when we're trying to do it. We have to jiggle the times about a bit sometimes. So if the FBI and Prince Andrew need any help arranging diaries, then I think I've got some practice from having to wrangle, <laughs> wrangle you into our recordings and uh, I can juggle their diaries. I'm available, Palace, FBI, we'll sort it out. But like, it's just been going on. They just need to get on with it and do it because it is ridiculous. And it's kind of at some point it becomes indefensible that you say you want to do a thing and you're just not doing it so anyway eventually in this show we will be able to say yes i hope dear god i hope that prince andrew has finally spoken to the fbi that's all we need to say but anyway one day that day will one day
1: one day i mean it ain't gonna be anytime soon i doubt i don't think but uh Let's, let's see. They just have, let's well, see it's not
2: going to go away. We will keep reminding them. And, um, you know, we won't, we won't forget. It can't, it's not just going to go away. They can't just play dead and hope that it all goes away. Um, so we've got Pride of Britain to look forward to. Any other excitement? Mm. No. Remembrance Sunday. What do we know? Yes. about Remembrance Sunday at the moment. Remembrance
1: so Sunday is going to be a very, very um, somber. I mean, it's obviously, a somber affair, but it's going to be very, very different because we're not going to have the march with the the British Legion veterans, which is a crying shame. And I just, I think that they are particularly upset as well because they, um, you know, they've been told that they can't have this the, the procession. It's going to be, you know, we're going to see obviously um, the the Queen on the balcony. One would hope the Queen will will obviously want to be there. It's one of the most important dates in her diary, I was you know, t- told, as if you need telling, this week. Um, uh, Charles and William would will no doubt be, be laying wreaths. Um, William, sorry, Harry won't be there. He's no longer a working royal. Andrew won't be there. He's sort of not invited. Uh, whilst <laughs> this is all sort of going on, these swore there, um, but um, it's going to be very, very different, and it will be available on. The, I'm looking looking forward to seeing it on the telly. It's always a very sort of poignant moment in our calendar, isn't it? Um, but it's 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 just going to be very, very different. As is life.
2: It is, but I shame. think what we need to remember is we found very there have been various different things like v day that we've not been able to sort of celebrate or mark sarah's 30th birthday my 40th birthday upcoming far less important than these big milestones oh, I'm but down. but um, <laughs> you know you you find ways to make them special and certainly v day i think they did you know they were, they did find ways and, and and people find ways to make things special and I'm sure that we will see that happen again, I hope, because people are, you know, we have we have to be able to adapt because otherwise, you know, this year, I don't think we would we wouldn't have got this far through this year if we couldn't. So Well, we
1: could all get behind the mirror campaign, which is inviting people to stand out on their doorsteps and, you know, in two minutes silence to just salute our war dead. And I think that that is something that is very, very easy and we can all do to support and we've had a lot of support throughout the sort of um, political sphere and and I'm sure that, um, you know, most people will be joining in.
2: Yeah, similar sensibility to the kind of the clap for carers thing of coming together in a smaller neighbourly way and kind of marking it where you are when we can't get out more widely but anyway I think our time is up for this week Uh, we have a bit of an episode next week looking at the commonwealth a bit of a special so we will be back with that and also all of the royal chatter again very soon. Sarah and Russell, thank you for joining me this week. Looking forward to having you back again on the show very soon. But until that time, listeners, thank you for joining us. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at Podsafe and stay safe, stay well. And until next time.
1: Podsafe the Queen!